Praise the Lord. Somebody already got blessed today. The altar ministry is so incredible. And Arizona weather, I mean, what is this? Doesn't that just make you a little happier when the weather is like, we get a little grumpy when it's so hot. But it's just so good to see all of you here today. What a beautiful group we have. And I'm excited about today. Do you know it's been one year since we've been back together as a church? One year. That's so awesome. So just God is slowly bringing everybody back home, and it's just wonderful. But today is Pentecost Sunday, and how many know that when we're in Jesus, we have Pentecost every day, hallelujah. We don't have to wait for one encounter, but we have an encounter with God every day of our life, or at least we should, amen. So I'm going to be talking to you, because it is Pentecost Sunday, a message called Your Unseen Partner that we have an unseen partner in life. And you know, there may be some of you here this morning that may be learning this for the very first time or learn a little bit more. And there may be some of us here that have been knowing about the Holy Spirit. We walk in the Holy Spirit, but we need to be reminded of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. And somebody say amen. We can live every day 24-7 and we can get caught up in life and we forget about this power and this presence of the Holy Spirit that God ushered here on earth. It's incredible. So I'm going to walk through some scripture verses today and hopefully just get us excited again and be reminded of the presence of the Holy Spirit and also um, give you the opportunity, if you haven't yet, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, you, are, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. But there is a baptism, that's the second baptism, of the Holy Spirit that comes in your life. So it's like taking a glass of water that's full. You're full of Jesus. You're going to heaven. Hallelujah. And, but when you get baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like taking a pitcher of water and pouring it into that already full cup. What happens when you do that? There is the overflow, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. When you get that baptism, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then there's the evidence of speaking in tongues, which we're not going to focus a lot on that today. I will talk a little bit about it, but we don't want to get so wrapped up in just speaking in tongues that we forget to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's more important that we're walking in that power and who the Holy Spirit is in our life than just praying in tongues, which praying in the Holy Spirit is important, and I will share some of that with you today. So let's go ahead and look at Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to show you where the Holy Spirit came here on earth. We know that Jesus walked the earth, right? We know that he walked here, he was sent by God, and he died and resurrected and went to the, the throne room of God. And then he said, I'm going to send you... This power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at that. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and it says this. If I can get there. And when the day of Pentecost, which is today, like today, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And there's something that I've been speaking on at least for the last year, probably longer, is that I'm trying to get the church ready to be in one mind and one in court for this end time revival that's coming to the world today. We need to be in one mind and focus that we can't walk on our own ability in this season. We as the church are going to have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have to have that one frame in mind so that we come in the unity that we're not just coming to church to have good church, which is great, but we're coming together in the unity to move in the Holy Spirit so that signs, wonders, and miracles can happen here on earth. How many want to see that? 
I want to see Acts chapter, the book of Acts church happen in the world today. And I promise you, that is what is coming to the world today. That is what's coming to faith builders in this city. We are going to walk in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So we have to be conscious and aware that we have this beautiful power that God gave us. And what do we do with this presence or this third person of the Holy Spirit? So they all were in one cord and in one place. It means they were in agreement. And verse 2, and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I don't know if we'll ever be able to hear this sound, but can you imagine what that must have been in that moment? That these people in the upper room experienced something that the world has never experienced before. See, Jesus is the Word. The Bible says in John, He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus came as the Word of God, but He was sending another, His power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it ushered in earth in this moment in a way that the world has never seen before. Can you imagine what that sound must have been? What I don't know if it was a worship or if it was what it was, but I hope one day we get to experience that in heaven. But there was this sound in verse 3. It says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire as one sat upon each of them. Can you imagine experiencing this? That here they're just walking with Jesus and they're expecting his return. But there was this power that came on earth in such a force that it was a demonstration of fire upon their heads. If you've ever looked in the world and in media and in uh, movies and Hollywood, the one religion that they mock and make fun of is Christianity. They mock and make fun of speaking in tongues. How many ever seen that in a movie or show before? They almost make it humiliating, something to be ashamed of. And that's the devil's tool is to make the church be ashamed of the power that God gave us here on earth. It's a real power. He's a real presence of God. And it's a real manifestation of God in our life. And the world wants to wane that away, to make it silly, to make it stupid. The only name they blaspheme in Hollywood is Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the true power of God. The only mocking they do is the laying out of hands and make it look radical. And there's jokes about it. And you, you may laugh at it. But it's, it's, it's taking away the value of the power of Jesus, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to be ashamed of in our faith. And the church has to get back to how Acts, how the church was created. And it started with the Holy Spirit. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to end with the Holy Spirit till Jesus comes again. Amen. We have this presence forever. So there was tongues of fire. And verse 4 said, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There is an infilling of the fire and the power and the authority of God in our life. How do we walk in that authority? Through the Holy Spirit. There are things that I have faced in my life that I would have never been able to overcome if I did not learn to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Because there will be battles and journeys that you will find yourself walking alone in. 
and you may be abandoned by everybody else, and there may be people who have no answer, but I'm going to tell you who is the answer, and that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And his presence is here, and his presence will remain here until Jesus comes again. And so they begin to speak in the Holy Spirit, oh, excuse me, um, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you look at that word began, it didn't mean like there was this one encounter of Pentecost and then it never happened again. It means that word began means it was the first to do, first time mentioned in the word of God. It was the first time speaking in tongues happened in scripture. But that word began means it means to begin and to continue. So if you look throughout scripture, they had this incredible manifestation as the Holy Spirit was ushered here. But as they went about building the church, you know what they did? If you look all through the New Testament, people got born again. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. Signs, wonders, and miracles happened. This is how the church is supposed to look. People are supposed to get born again. They need to get filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. They need to have the prayer language that prays the perfect will of God. It wasn't days of old. It is today and is relevant. And I don't have enough time to go into scripture today about the theology of that. I'm going to come from the point of we believe in the evidence of speaking in tongues here. And so they got filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and then they performed miracles. Blinded eyes were opened. The lame walked. Amen. There was miracles. People were raised from the dead. This is what the church is supposed to look like in America. And you know what the church has happened? We've been lulled to sleep by good church. We've been lulled to sleep by make me feel good messages. The Bible says in the end times people have tickling ears. We want a message that makes me feel good, make me feel hopeful, make me feel like I'm a champion on Monday when I go to work when that's not what the church was created for. Guess what? Church should make us uncomfortable. Church should make us convicted. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is here. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need the conviction of God in our life. I know in my own walk with Jesus, I, I've always said if I didn't have the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I would be very worried about my walk with Jesus. Because somewhere I've had a dull ear to hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying in my life. Because the Holy Spirit is always speaking. He's always talking to us. He's always challenging us. He's always trying to make us more in the image of Christ Jesus. Amen. He's always going to convict us of the things that we should be convicted of in our life. So let's keep going. So what happened? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They continued to speak in tongues as the book of Acts went on. So I want us to look at 1 Corinthians here, verses 2 through 14. And it says this. But the natural man, or everybody say natural man. Now I'm going to add a little word in there. The natural unbelieving man. It's in the Amplified Translation. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Listen, the Bible says that your mind is an enmity with God. The only thing that bears truth in you is the Spirit of God in you. That's what the bearer of truth is. Our mind will have conflict with truth all the time. Why? Because our flesh doesn't like truth. You know, if you ever got in a fight with your spouse or loved one or whatever, and they say the truth, and it just makes you so mad, and you will argue against it because you're not going to admit the truth, right? Because you're going to stand your ground. That's our nasty flesh. So we will even combat the Holy Spirit's conviction or leading or direction in our life because our mind cannot understand the things of God. 
My mind cannot comprehend that when I pray in this unknown language, you know, that is the language of heaven, that that language prays the perfect will of God. I don't understand that, but it's not my job to understand. It's my job to receive by faith what God says according to his word and do what God told me to do so that I can have the miracles and the breakthrough that God has called in my life. Amen. We don't ever, I don't think we really challenge about what Jesus did for us. We don't really challenge the word. We know the word works for us. We don't really challenge God's authority. Why do we second guess the Holy Spirit? Because the world has tainted it. The world has made it stupid. The world has made us look ridiculous when it is the power of God. And there has to be order in it. And, you know, we don't have time today, but Paul wrote a letter to the church. When the church got filled with the Holy Spirit in Corinthians, they were all just running around the church speaking in tongues and prophesying. Speaking in tongues. There was no English. There was no message of the word. It was all this spiritual encounter. And Paul had to come in and bring order. No, let there be tongues. That's awesome interpretation. But also let there be the message so people's lives can be changed. See, God is a God of order. So having the Holy Spirit is wonderful. We don't run around and pray in tongues everywhere. That's weird. It's okay. It is weird. But the, the language is for me and God. The language is when I'm going through a trial, when I'm going through a dark season, I have a language with God that prays the perfect will of God and bypasses what I'm thinking in my mind that doesn't want God, and it begins to perform the perfect will of God. Let's keep going. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Why? They're foolishness to them. Having the Holy Spirit's presence and his voice and his leading, it seems foolishness to us, right? Nor can he know them. Why? Because to know the Spirit of God, you have to be spiritually discerned. So you cannot sense the Holy Spirit in your carnal mind. You'll never, ever be able to feel his presence. But if you step out by faith and you say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Come, Holy Spirit. You can probably feel his presence right now. It's the presence of God, the power of God. It's this unseen partner that we have to bring victory and freedom and peace and joy in our life, and we forget about him every day. And we need to wake up every day, and I've been saying this for a few weeks, invite the Holy Spirit into your day. The first thing you do in the morning, yes, it's foolishness. I don't even understand this thing. You may be saying that. It's okay. You're doing it by faith. Just like you receive Jesus by faith, you, you think you're going to die and go to this eternity in heaven. That's faith, amen. Do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. I don't really understand you, Holy Spirit. I don't really understand how you lead and guide me. But I'm going to do what the Word says. Because it's what the Word says. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you in today. I invite you into my choices. I invite you into my marriage. I invite you into partnering with my business. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to raise my children together. Bring the Holy Spirit alongside of everything you do. And you know what? He will never lead you astray. He may ask you to do some things you don't want to do, and that's up to you. But he will never lead you astray, amen? Why? Because I need the discernment of the Holy Spirit. So as I share today, don't try to figure this out with your mind. You'll never get it. The Bible says that you have to be born of the Spirit, before you can understand the things of the Spirit. What does that mean? You have to know Jesus as your Savior first. You have to have that revelation. 
You're like, well, I want to figure all this out first. I want to understand everything. You won't. Because the word is a mystery. It has to be discerned by the Spirit of God. So you have to be born of the Spirit first. Jesus, I receive you. I make you my Lord and Savior. I ask that you forgive me of my sins and you invite Jesus into your life. Now you have the Holy Spirit in you. Then you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he brings to light the Word of God. Which we'll get into some of that in just a minute. So let's look at this. Let's go to John uh, 14 verses 15 through 18. And I have a lot of John verses, and I got a little messed up first service. I'm going to do my best not to do that second service. Okay, 14 verses 15 through 18. It says this, if you love me, keep my commands, right? If we love Jesus, there'll be this desire to do what he's asking us to do. And I will, this is what Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That word give means this. It means to impart or grant to you. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus gave him, permitted him to come into your life, and he was called another helper. What does that mean? It shows similarities of the diverse operations of the ministry of Jesus. So what happens? You've got the word of God here that we walk in, right? Jesus was the word. Then you've got the Holy Spirit that comes alongside of you. So you've got the power of the Holy Spirit, another helper. When you have the other helper and the word of God, you bring the Holy Spirit and the word of God together is where you get the power of God. So it doesn't eliminate the word. I don't just, well, I have the Holy Spirit, so I'm just going to speak in tongues all the time. No, he's a partner. He comes alongside my relationship with Jesus and takes the word of God and brings life to God's word. My dad always said this, you know, growing up, is that if you have all word, right, we're just a word, church, and no spirit, you dry up. If you have all spirit and no word, you blow up. But if you have word and spirit, you grow up. And that's what we're doing here as a church. we got to grow up, amen. I can't just have the word on Sunday and walk away and think I can fight my battles. The devil's going to hit you where it hurts the most as soon as you walk out that door. But when you know you got the comforter, you know you got the helper, you know you, the, you got the one that Jesus sent for you to have here on earth, to come alongside of you, you know everything's going to be okay, right? So um, let's look at this again, John 14. I'm going to send you another helper. That word helper means this. It means parakletos, the Greek word. You just learned a Greek word today. Parakletos is such a cool word too. And it means comforter. It means to call beside you. It means he's your advocate or your counselor. Isn't that beautiful? It's that partner of God that comes alongside of you in your lonely seasons, in the times where you're frustrated and you're fearful, in the times you've got to make good decisions. Don't ever make a decision without calling on the Holy Spirit, ever. Amen? Because you'll make decisions based out of the flesh instead of being spirit-led. Because we can be emotionally driven all day long, and it can feel good and look good. Hallelujah. How many ever made those feel-good look decisions? You're like, that was a mistake. We have the Holy Spirit. We, we partner with him, and he comes alongside to help guide me through the things that I can't see or understand. So let's look a little bit further in this verse. 
John 14, 15. Okay. The spirit, um, he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Do you see that? The world cannot see the Holy Spirit. Only the ones who want to mock it. For you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I love verse 18. It says, for I will not leave you an orphan. It means I will not leave you weak. I will not leave you desolate. Jesus was going away and he says, I'm not abandoning you. You are not alone here on earth. I'm not going to leave you alone. I will come to you. That's the Holy Spirit. You're not alone in life. Aren't you so thankful for that? Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at some things that the helper, how does the Holy Spirit help us? Um, number one, in John 14, verse 12, it says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. What is the Holy Spirit? Let's read that again since it's up there. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, that's Jesus, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than you, you will do because Jesus is going to the Father. So what is the helper going to help us do? Have greater works. That means if Jesus laid hands on the sick and they were healed, you can lay hands on the sick. If Jesus healed the blind, you can heal the blind. If Jesus raised the dead, you can raise the dead. There is a power of God that lives in you. And we have this mindset that it either has to happen at church or it's going to happen to the ordained people who have a title. And we lose fact of you've got the same Holy Spirit, the same power, the same authority that anyone with the title has, probably more so sometimes, amen, that you can walk and do the things of the kingdom of God. And that's why the devil keeps the church away from recognizing the Holy Spirit because he keeps us out of the power. And the only way we can have greater works is if you do the works of God. The only way this church can walk in revival is if we do the works of God. I won't point the finger at you. That's not nice. I'm included. This church has to begin to do the works of the kingdom of God. You have the Holy Spirit. You can share Jesus with someone and feel so inadequate. You can walk out and pray for someone and just had a blown out fight with your wife and in no mood to pray for anybody. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. The paracletos, he comes alongside of you. I can get up here and preach when I have had a rotten day or somebody betrayed me or something horrible happened in my life that I've never told you. But I can walk in here, partner with the Holy Spirit. I'm broken and I'm fearful, but God, you are with me. You'll never leave me, and I can do what you've called me to do, even in how my mind feels, because I have the Holy Spirit living in my life. That means I'm not just a hearer, but I am a doer. And when we need the Holy Spirit is when I least feel like going to him. Isn't that the truth? The last, oh, Siri's trying to talk to me. The last place we want to go is to the heart of God when we're frustrated, yet we've got this power. There's greater works God has called the church to do, and we have to rise up in this hour. Amen. If revival, and it is going to happen here at Faith Builders, we've got to get in this mindset that I'm going to do Jesus outside of these four walls. 
and not because I feel qualified or titled or know a lot of scripture. Here I am, Lord, send me. Say, God, send me. I hit the streets at 17. I didn't know nothing, but I love Jesus. And we won homeless people to Jesus, and we prayed for the sick on the street. Why? Here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, I'm in the grocery store. I'll be available if you want me to pray for someone. I'll be available if I need to buy someone's diapers. Here I am, Lord, send me. You don't know what could change someone's life by being available to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Greater works. What are those greater works? Let's look really quick. Let's go over to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. And it says this. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, amen, you have the Spirit of the Lord upon you because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. How do we preach the gospel? The anointing of God. If God changed your life, he can change someone else's life. It's your story. It's like Pastor Paul said, what is your story? You don't have to have my story or fabulous story you heard. Tell your story. What did Jesus do for you? How did Jesus change your life? We as the church, we've got to get out of this me mentality. And we've got to get into this looking into the world and giving God away. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You know, we look at the church today and... We come in oppressed, don't we? I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the Christians. We come in oppressed and we're like, give me a good word. Give me a great worship service. I need to feel God. I have to get set free today. And there's nothing wrong with that. The church is here for that. But as mature believers, we've got to get empowered like David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. David lost everything. His women, the children, the goods, everything. His army turned his back on him. And he got down before God. And he got his face before his creator. And he got himself up and he encouraged himself in the Lord. We as mature believers are going to have to learn how to do that and come in here ready to shout, ready to worship, ready to get where God wants us to go. When people come in here and don't know Jesus, but they feel this energy, they feel this excitement, they feel this love for God, they feel this anticipation for miracles, signs, and wonders. Imagine the atmosphere of a church that changes when we as the church come in expecting, right, expecting something to break through. And then the world that's in here gets touched by our expectations. Instead of coming in here like, I need something today, Pastor Mark. And I'm sure I can throw you something good to bless you. But God is changing things right now. He wants us to call on the Holy Spirit so we can do the wonders of God. You want to know a church that gets excited is a church that's doing things for God outside of the four walls. Those are, that's a revival. We have had great church services in this church for many years and many to come, we'll have great church. But that's not revival. Revival are people getting saved. And I don't mean just saying a prayer. I'm talking about an encounter with Jesus. Like we, and we've seen this in this house. Are they getting filled with the Holy Spirit? Do they receive their prayer language? And are we seeing signs, wonders, and miracles? And if we aren't seeing that, we have not entered revival. Amen. We can have some great church and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not Bible revival. My dad wrote a book, The Presence, Power, and Purpose of God. I highly encourage you to get on Amazon, purchase the download to your reader, and read that. It'll mess with your religion. 
Because it's not about what we think church is. We need to do what, what the church was, and that is be the church of Jesus Christ. There is a lost and dying world who needs the power of God in demonstration. And it doesn't take a lot. It's just when you realize it's the Holy Spirit in you and nothing to do with you, thank God. Because I feel inadequate all the time. I don't feel worthy all the time. My, my earth self, my earth suit, my mind doesn't feel anything. But when you step into the Holy Spirit, the power of God in your life, it changes everything, right? So greater works shall you do. It goes on to say in John 14, is he, the Holy Spirit will bring you truth. You know, he'll illuminate the truth when you're confused and you don't know the right decision. And, and maybe there's false accusations going on in a situation and it's dark. You call on the Holy Spirit, give me truth, Holy Spirit. Show me the light of God and the decision that I need to be making, whether my family or whatever it is. He will give you the truth. It may not be a truth we want to hear, which is usually the case, but he will give you the truth that you need. The Bible says it's a still small voice. So sometimes we look for God, give me the word of God. And the Holy Spirit's like, actually, you already know. It's like right here, but you're deciding to turn the dial down. No, in this season, say, Holy Spirit, I want to tune you all the way up. I want to hear you. I want you to lead me. I want to know your voice. I want to be a part of what you're doing in this time in the kingdom of God. goes on to say in John, we won't go there for the sake of time, but the Holy Spirit will teach you things to come. What does that mean? He'll take the word of God and he'll teach you. Do you know you don't just need me as a pastor to teach you? That's my job to equip you, but you should be learning from the word of God every day. And I swear to you, I've been studying scripture since I was 17 years old, I'm, even when I was little. But I'm talking about really coming into Jesus. There's not a time I don't open up the Bible, not a time that I don't invite the Holy Spirit into my reading time. And I'll, I say this prayer all the time, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. And I ask that you eliminate, illuminate truth of the word of God to me. You know why? Because this is hard to understand. And this is boring. I mean, you can laugh. It's true. It's hard to understand. The Bible says it's a mystery. It has to be understood by the revelation of the Spirit. Spirit leading you into all truth. Why? Because you need your own truth from Scripture. Because if I'm giving you truth, and this is awesome, and you're going to be in faith, and I know there will be seeds planted, but what truth I'm giving you from my revelation will be taken away from you. But when I go to scripture and I find a truth by the Holy Spirit, nobody can take it from me. Because it's been given to me as a gift by the Holy Spirit that will stay with me forever. It doesn't matter. The whole situation could look different, but I know what God said. That's revelation. You have to get that in the situation that you're facing. What is God saying? And listen, it doesn't have to be a book of the Bible. One chapter. I'll take a chapter. I told first service this. At 17, I was just reading my Bible, you know, maybe a chapter a day or whatever. I don't know. I just read it. Wrote in my journal. Those were two things that were very important to me in my walk with God. And I came across a scripture verse in Colossians. And it said, work heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto man. And I went, oh, I don't work for my boss. I work for God. And at 17, I learned to work with integrity and work hard and show up even when I was sick, even when I could have got away with stuff if my boss wasn't there. But I walked in integrity. Why? Because I wasn't working to please man. I was working to please God. And I knew that where man couldn't take me, God could take me. 
when man didn't want to promote me, God would promote me. God will turn the hearts of man in favor for you when you're working unto God. That was ten words. I don't know, work heartily unto the Lord as unto the Lord, whatever it is. <laughs> Twenty words, let's say. Changed my life forever. One verse. Why? Because the Holy Spirit illuminated truth to me. And that is something I have walked in my whole life. I never lacked for a job. I was always promoted by people who were more educated. I made more money than some, people, some men on the job. And that's the truth. I was making more money, getting promoted in favor, employee of the year. Why? Because I'm special? No, because I found a truth from the word of God and it changed me forever. The same Holy Spirit that does that for me will do that for you. But we've got to take this thing called the Bible, we've got to open it up, and we've got to take a notebook, and we've got to read the Word of God. Amen? Put it on the inside of you. You may not even get it at the moment. You may not even know. I, I have notebooks. You know, I'm talking years of notebooks filed away somewhere. And I didn't even know what was going in me. I just loved the Word. It was part of my relationship with God. It's what I did. And then one day I went out early in my years, and I told you I did the street witnessing. And I'm like, I'm not saying nothing. I don't have anything to say. I'm just here for the ride. I'm going to watch you all. And as soon as we showed up somewhere to share Jesus, the Holy Spirit would come up in me. And I'd just start sharing. And a scripture would come here, and a scripture would come there. And I'd go, where did that verse come from? I didn't even know I knew that verse. Because the rest of that verse, put that verse back up there. Oh, you don't have it. It says he'll teach you, but he also will bring to remembrance the things that I spoke to you. So when you have the word of God for yourself, when you need it, the Holy Spirit will bring it to remembrance. In other words, you're going through a trial, so you get a phone call that takes your breath away. All of a sudden, the word of God, the Holy Spirit starts reminding you, I work all things together for good to those who are called according to my purpose. Amen. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I have those revelations. It isn't just a scripture verse. I know that. So when hell comes against me, the Holy Spirit brings it to remembrance. I begin to declare the word of God from the Holy Spirit's remembrance, and that situation begins to work itself out. And you know where it works itself out first? In me. When you start praying in the Holy Spirit, you start getting the revelations of the word of God. God will work it all out in you. The situation may not have changed yet, but you are good. And you are in alignment with the word of God. Isn't that incredible? So he'll bring those things to remembrance to you. Now let's go over here this morning. I'm going to skip that one. Let's go to this one. The Holy Spirit helps you with your infirmities. I want you to look at Romans 8, verses 26. And this is going to be the last one I'm going to get because I'm throwing a lot at you guys today. I have like a teaching for probably four weeks. but Okay, Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. What is that? That's the weaknesses of the flesh. The things that you struggle with, right? The Holy Spirit can come and he strengthens you in those weak areas of your life. What does that mean? There may be areas that the Holy Spirit is convicting you in. There may be things that you're struggling with and they are real struggles and they're challenging. And that's why we have Celebrate Recovery because we need to know more about this freedom. When you learn the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you, he strengthens your weaknesses. 
It means the things that you think you can never get free of, you can be free because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He helps us in my weaknesses, for we do not know how we should pray for as we ought. Has anybody never not know how to pray in a situation? Like you may not have the words or you've prayed about it so many times and you still haven't seen anything happen. Why? Because I need to pray in the Holy Spirit because I don't know what to pray right now. I don't know the answer. I don't know the miracle, but who does? God knows. God can take me out of frustration by my words that I think are good prayers that are probably just really hitting the ceiling. Right? But when I pray in the Holy Spirit, when I'm praying in my prayer language, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, this is intense intercession, and I've been there, but there are some things that are so in you and so strong and so overwhelming that we just need to get alone with God and get that all out to God. Start praying in the Holy Spirit. Start releasing those things that doesn't make sense to you, but it will be the language of God. And when God hears his language, he responds to that because it is faith. And when he hears faith, it moves the hand of God. Doesn't make sense, does it? But it is the power of God when we pray in the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's keep going. So we've got this, there's this prayer that we need to release, right? Now look at verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts, who's that? God. Now that you've prayed in the Holy Spirit, you're talking God talk. It gets the heart of God, right? God now has permission to search your heart. So whatever you've been troubled with, all of a sudden God's in your business. And guess what? We can't hide from God anyway. So we might as well open up and be vulnerable and say, Holy Spirit, here's my heart. Search my heart, oh God, and make it true like the scripture says. So now God searches the heart, and the God that searches your heart knows the mind of, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. God knows the truth of the Holy Spirit, right, when you begin to speak, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So look at this. You pray in the Holy Spirit. You pray the word of God. God gets in your heart, takes the will of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit begin to do? Make intercession for you according to the will of God. What's the will of God? Whatever you need that miracle for. Whatever you need that breakthrough for. No longer are you praying your own agenda because they're not getting answered, but now you're praying the perfect will of God. And when you pray the perfect will of God, what happens? Miracles happen, right? Breakthrough happens. Addictions fall off. Marriages are restored. No longer is there confusion going on in your world because you're praying the perfect will of God. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Let me close with this one, Ezekiel 36. Verse 26, and it got a little warm in here, didn't it? It's like cold or hot. God's going to spew us out of his mouth. Ezekiel 36, I will give you, when you have the Holy Spirit, a new heart. Amen. That word new heart means soft and pliable. It means to be teachable. We need to, in this season, say, God, you can have my heart. I'm going to get out of pride. I'm going to get out of my own agenda. I'm going to get out of the way, and you're going to give me a new heart, and you're going to teach me things, and you're going to put a new spirit within me. 
And God says, when that happens, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart. I will take the stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What does that mean? Those things that you're troubled about, God will fade them away. The things that you're worried about, you're fearful about, you're angry about, when you allow the Holy Spirit to come in, change your heart. See, so many times we want God to change someone else. But when the Holy Spirit comes into you, you say, Lord, change me. We've got to quit looking at someone else and say, Lord, change me. Change my behavior. Is there anything in me that I need to fix, that I need to get right, that I need to repent? Is there someone that I need to forgive? Let the Holy Spirit work the work in you. And if we're all doing that, then God can heal the relationships. Amen. He can heal marriages. He can bond relationships back with your children that maybe have been lost, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit is present in time of trouble. And I want to encourage you this week, invite the Holy Spirit into your day. And maybe you have to put a post-it note on your mirror to remind you. That's okay. I make notes all the time to remind myself of something. If you've gotten out of the habit of allowing the Holy Spirit to come into your life, put a note. And do a seven-day challenge and say, I'm going to invite you in, Holy Spirit, every day. First, first thing I'm going to do to my day, to my choices, to my marriage, to raising my children. And you watch this ear to hear God. You're going to hear God. And you're going to have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And God is going to begin to awaken us, amen, to what the Lord has. So let's go ahead and pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you this morning, Father God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this place. And Lord, any place that we've been apathetic, Father God, where we've been comfortable, I ask, Lord, that you begin to move those things out of our life, Father God. And that, Lord, we would make room for your presence, Holy Spirit. Come be our comforter. Come be our advocate. Speak to us truth and hope and life. But Lord, most of all, I ask that you activate this church, God. Activate us for a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Spirit, God. That you would stir up on the inside of us just a desire for more than just living for Sunday, Father God. But we will bring you into our everyday with our word, Father God. I, the Lord says that. You can't come to the Father unless you're drawn by the Holy Spirit. And that's for salvation. But also we can't come to God even in worship and in word unless we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. And so I just ask the Holy Spirit that you draw us this week. That still small voice would draw, draw us to the word, God. Draw us to hear your voice and to spend time in worship and, and to hear you, Father God. I thank you, God, that this church is not just going to sit on the sidelines. But, Lord, we are going to be a part of this revival and this move and the greater works of the kingdom of God. And I give you praise, Jesus. And I want to invite anyone who doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior to receive the Lord. And before we dismiss Pastor Paul, I'm going to have the altars will be open for those who want to receive. You can look at me. Those of you who want to receive the Holy Spirit today, I'm going to ask you to stick around. Come on up. We'll be up here. We want you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to pray with you. Don't get caught up in speaking in tongues. That's not the issue. Don't get the mind wrapped up. But you need this baptism, this power of the Holy Spirit to give you life 
and to give you hope again. And we want to be there for you. Amen. So I want you to stick around and come up. But I also want to say a salvation prayer real quick. So I want you just to repeat this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I invite the Holy Spirit into my life, into my choices, into my family. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. I love you all so much. I'm going to give it over to Pastor Paul. God bless you.